0: This resetting series has been such a joy for me because I know that the start of the year can be refreshing and it can be a time of newness. We dove deep into resetting routines and when to press the go button. We dove deep into resetting your writing block, and last week we dove into resetting your guided reading time as well as your reading block. This week, our focus is going to be on parents, or what I like to call your students grown up and how to reset the relationships that you have with them. Making connections and building relationships with these adults were challenging enough prior to the pandemic, completely reshaping education. And with that, it may seem like it's even harder than before to connect with these parents and these grown-ups, and to foster those relationships without the in-person or consistent face-to-face interactions can make it even more challenging. So this episode is dedicated to resetting parent-teacher connections. I'm going to share a variety of ideas to try when considering communication, support, and interactions to try and help reset the relationship between you and your students grown up. If you're ready, I will meet you inside. Welcome to The Literacy Dive, a podcast for teachers who want to take a deeper dive into all things reading and writing. I'm your host, Megan Polk. My number one passion is, you guessed it, all things literacy and supporting teachers like you. Join me each week to learn teacher tips and actionable step-by-step strategies to help you grow as an educator. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Welcome back to the Literacy Dive Podcast. I have loved talking with you about resetting. Resetting our routine, resetting in regards to writing, resetting in regards to reading, and now we are focusing on our amazing parents. Relationships in any sense are hard work, and they definitely are not created equal, that's for sure. But these grown-ups are releasing their child into your care, and that's a big deal. They trust us to do what's right, they trust us to keep their child safe, they trust us to teach their child, they trust us to lovingly discipline students in a life-giving way, and they trust us to remain open and to communicate. I have always been a firm believer in the importance of communication, so much so that I feel it's better to over-communicate than to under-communicate. So in this episode, I'm covering three areas and which I feel are main pieces in the big puzzle of forming healthy relationships with parents. And for each area, I'm going to give some ideas or ways that I have connected with parents. And I want to encourage you, if you like an idea or if you like one of these systems that I share, go ahead and try using it yourself. If you need more clarity about it, reach out to me, send me a direct message on Instagram at the Literacy Dive, and I'd be happy to talk with you about it. But everything that I share are things that I've personally done in my teaching career in regards to my students and their grown-ups. So let's go ahead and start with communication ideas. When it comes to communication, I have a few questions that I just want to throw out there and I want to start getting you thinking about. How are you communicating to parents? What methods are you using to communicate? What is the frequency of your communication? Again, these are important questions to ask when thinking about resetting the relationships with your parents. So I'm gonna share five or six ways that I have used to communicate with parents and they have been helpful, but of course for different seasons, for different grade levels and for different classrooms. So anything that I try here, I just wanna encourage you to try and see what works for you. What works for one person definitely may not work for another person, But the whole idea is that you are open to trying something if you feel like this is an area, communication, that needs to be reset. The first idea I want to share is the idea of a monthly newsletter. This is going to be an excellent way that you can stay in front of your parents, and this is for the template lovers. A great way to stay in touch is to send home a newsletter. This newsletter will showcase and give families information about anything they need to know when it comes to their students in your classroom. If you are making it printable, go ahead and scan it to also turn it digital so that parents can actually receive it. I know that my students often would remove papers or things ended up lost, and so this way, parents can actually get it two ways. If you are going to opt to send it home in a printable format, I would suggest printing it on colorful, bright paper so that it stands out in the stack of all of the other things that parents are getting sent home. But again, if you're making it printable, it is very, very easy to go ahead and scan that and make it digital, so it never hurts to go ahead and send it electronically as well just to make sure that parents do receive the monthly news, or it could be weekly, It's really up to you what your preference is to stay in front of your parents. Another form of communication could be using a classroom blog. If blogging is your thing, this will be a great way to stay paperless and you can upload class news, upcoming events, weekly, monthly overviews, student photos, daily occurrences, and you can also upload the homework assignments or anything else that's due, like projects and things like that. Now, I did commit To this method, and I tried it once, and I quickly realized by the end of the school year that this format was not the best fit for me. But I also know many teachers who have had success with it. So don't rule this out as a communication solution. If you do like blogging and if you do have a classroom website, this could be an excellent way for you to stay in even more constant communication with your students grown up. Okay. A monthly email blast. This is great if you don't want to design a newsletter template and print it out weekly or if you just don't want to be super, super creative. This method is effective and it's quick. And it's a time saver when you need to share information and you don't want to be fancy or if you don't want to manage a blog. It's similar to Class Dojo or Remind if you use those apps. But for this, it's just by email. Email works well to prevent parents from having any issues with the apps. I know that I spent a lot of time trying to troubleshoot and trying to fix errors with parents and their different devices with trying to sync with these apps and they were missing information. So in order to avoid that, I had just tried an email blast and it worked beautifully. Be sure though to blind copy your list so that if parents reply, it goes to you and not to the entire class but this is a regular way that parents are used to getting information. They probably communicate with their different work or their different friends or their different clubs that they're a part of by email. So this is definitely an avenue and a method that could very well work for the adults of your students. Positive notes home. This is another touch point that goes beyond the basics of the class. I like to send home two per day And then that way, every child should get highlighted within each and every month of the school year. All you have to do is write a compliment, share a success story, note a kind deed that the child did, and you're going to send that home. You can actually purchase those 10-pack of the blank cards from Walmart for like $2, and you can keep those on hand and always just pull out and write a couple of cards and send those home. Or you could do it the free route and you could just use colorful paper, cardstock construction paper that you already have, cut it into fours, and you can just decorate the border with a Sharpie if you don't want to make an actual template and print it. So you can do that. You really could just use a sticky note. And if you want to write a message and stick it somewhere for the parents to see, that works well too. The whole purpose of this is just being intentional with catching your students doing something amazing that you can be able to share with their families, and it's a positive note home. You could also host monthly virtual parent nights where you can share what you're working on in lieu of sending home a newsletter. You can host these on Zoom. You could also record the meeting and send the replay out to every single family. So that way, if any questions were answered or if any information was shared, that can be accessed by all of the grownups of your classroom. So this was something that I know became a little bit more prevalent once the pandemic hit and we were to have conferences online and we were to have our parent-teacher nights online. We had to host these monthly virtual nights. And so this is something that you can just keep going whether your students are back in person or not. It's something that is flexible for parents. They can log in anywhere. But the biggest thing is that if parents have questions and you're taking the time to answer them, other parents might have the same questions and they can be able to get those answers even if they can't tune in with you. If you do wanna host these monthly nights, go ahead and get these dates on the calendar. Get them in front of your grown ups as soon as possible so that they can make every effort to attend them. And this is just something that you can do. 30 minutes, 15 minutes. I wouldn't really do more than an hour because that's not necessary, but this is just having a quick touch point with these adults, especially because of the times that we're in right now. And my last little area that I want to touch on when it comes to communication is making sure that you are understanding and recognizing the importance of contacting families in a timely manner. And this is going to be more in tune with if you are having concerns or issues with a particular child. They are more willing to listen and accept whatever you have to say if they have a bond and a relationship with you. It's really, really hard and challenging to accept news from someone who doesn't communicate that their child was ever in a place of concern to start with. This also includes sending home grades and also inputting those grades into the program that your school uses if parents can access those online. You want to make sure that you're doing that consistently and with enough time to be able to have those conversations. At the onset of an undesired pattern, communicate with parents, design an action plan together, and support the student. This is a great time right now to focus on your communication because we are in the last half of the year where a lot of decisions are being made and you want to make sure that parents are open to listening to what you have to say and that they feel like they were supported throughout the school year when it comes to making decisions for their child. So see what works for you and what could be improved. If your method is stale or not getting you the response that you would like, it's time for a change. It's time for a reset. It's time to try something new. Communication is valued. It leaves the lines open versus the lines being blurred and muddy. Again, testing season is around the corner. As well as the end of the year, when decisions of promotion and retention are being had, And it's way easier to have difficult conversations with parents when they feel like you have interacted consistently throughout the year. The second area is support ideas. And the questions that I want to ask you are, how are you supporting parents? And what methods are in place to offer support? Students are not the only ones who need support. Parents, guardians, those grown-ups, they are key pieces in students retaining information. Learning it at school is simply not enough. So how are you helping parents to help their children? One of the biggest challenges that my students' grownups faced was centered around nightly reading. Many of them voiced that their child does read 20 minutes per evening, but we know what that means. There were no discussions happening. There were no follow-up questions. There was no engaging with the fiction or the nonfiction text. But this was not because they didn't want to. They did. They just didn't know how to. They did not understand what types of questions to ask, and I took this seriously early on. After all, I know that the power of not only reading but discussing what was being read because that is what strengthens comprehension, so I decided to take action. I started sending home rigorous open-ended questions with my students' guided reading books. This changed the game for nightly reading because kids actually wanted to read with their grown-up, and the grown-ups actually looked forward to reading with their child. It grew their relationship all by way of a book. These questions that I sent home on a slip had four different questions that were connected to a certain genre, fiction, nonfiction, or biography, and they were so general that they could be used across a wide variety of books. So whenever I would send these slips home, the parents could be able to ask these questions and have discussions. They did not have to think about the questions on their own. They did not have to stress out. The parents are able to keep these slips and soon they will end up with a collection of questions that they can ask their child at any given time with any given book. I send home the initial slip in an envelope and parents can continue adding to it. So, if your parents need support with guided reading and reinforcing the reading process at home, this idea of sending home question slips will be a great addition for you to implement in this new year. Again, you can just write out for questions that are specific to the book or for general questions. If you want to see the slips that I send home, I will leave that link in the show notes for you. But it's all about giving parents support and letting them play an active role in the learning of their child. The second area is reference materials. When it comes to supporting students, I'm a huge believer in creating reference sections where kids can constantly refer to previous teachings, concepts, and the many, many skills that I have to teach them. But because I want the parents to support them, I never withhold these references from them. You may be wondering, huh? Like, what in the world does this even mean? do you create reference books for parents? And my answer, my answer is no, not quite, but kind of. When there is a certain process or skill that I want students to practice at home, I do share the examples with their grownups. I do not always print copies for them, but I do like to take photos. I am constantly taking photos. So if I do it to share with Instagram, I realize I could surely snap photos to share with parents as well. This includes anchor charts, mentor text examples, whole group examples, anything that I can capture, I share with parents. I initially started taking photos to help myself not have to reinvent the wheel every single time I was teaching a skill. If we did a project, written composition, created an anchor chart, I snapped a photo so that I could reference it for the future. But one year, I had a student who was chronically ill and missed a lot of school due to cancer. I was able to share the photos from the day, math examples, writing examples, reading examples, with her parent, and they could try to assist her whenever her homebound teacher wasn't with them. If this method helps her, it was worth it for me. So, sharing photos are so common. It literally takes three to five seconds to snap the photo and another 10 to 15 seconds to send it to someone. Another resource is I saw instantly how my reading and reference helpers helped my students and I instantly knew I'm gonna send them home for parents. If they can understand what is meant by a context clue or by revising, then they are gonna feel more confident and I am all about eliminating the overwhelm. If you have general resources that can be like an encyclopedia of information for parents to reference, try sending it home with them or sending it to them electronically. This is a complete game changer when helping them and giving them all the supports that they need to where they can truly feel like they're making a difference and being able to support their child at home. Something else that you could think about doing to support your parents are recorded lessons. Now, I just mentioned how for a student, I took photos of work and exemplars so that parents could assist her while she was in the hospital. The same works for recordings. My amazing principal purchased a pretty nice video recorder and a tripod for my class. And at first I was thinking it would be so awkward and weird, but it actually was no distraction for me or for the kids, and before long, it was just another decoration in our classroom. The parents could not rave enough about the treatment that they were given during this hard, difficult time for them and their daughter, and the amount of support that they received from the school to ensure that she would not fall tremendously behind. I never had to record lessons like that again until COVID hit. When the schools went virtual all across the country, everything was video. Here I was recording lessons and having to upload them for students. This same practice is excellent for your parents too. Now, I'm not saying to record the entire school day, but you know those certain processes and procedures that you want done in a certain way so that your students can find success. So if you can record what it looks like and send it to parents, they can also see what to reinforce at home or during a long break. You can easily record a quick video or tutorial and upload it to YouTube or your classroom blog for parents to be able to view. I really want you to truly reflect on the level of support that you're providing your students grown up. Is there one thing that you can make it a goal to implement to support them more and to reset your relationship with them? Now, I actually truly want to know the answer to this one, so please reach out to me with your thoughts or ideas about this. Okay, while we are getting nearer to the end of this episode, this is going to be the part of the episode where it gets a little less raw and becomes a lot more fun. Because I'm about to dive into five quick ways in which I have involved parents, and through this involvement, it has strengthened our relationship. I guess you could say that I saved the best for last, although I truly do hold all three of these areas at a very, very high level of importance. But this next area focuses on interactions and involvement. So the questions that I want to ask you to think about right now are, how do you get parents involved in your class? What opportunities do you create for parents to be more interactive? These five ideas of ways that you can get your parents involved and to interact more, which is going to help that relationship and that bond and making them feel like they're a part of your classroom, is going to be shared in no particular order of importance. So the first thing that I want to share is in-person or virtual guest speakers, This is where you can invite a parent in to speak on a topic that connects to what is being learned in class. Parents are super, super knowledgeable, and they have so many unique backgrounds, whether it be occupational, cultural, or relational. So if there is something that you are learning about within science or social studies or reading or writing, and you have a parent who can be able to offer support in that area, get them to come in person and talk about it or set up a time to virtually go visit with them and let them be a guest speaker. That kind of leads into the idea of taking a virtual field trip. This is so fun and so easy, and I did this a lot when we were teaching virtually back at the start of the pandemic. What you would do is you will hop onto Zoom or whatever platform that you're using for video and you will virtually travel to chat with the parents and the adults, the grownups, in their work environment. Kids get to experience unique places and occupations, and the parents really, really love this. You can pull in reading skills because kids can practice asking questions and gathering answers. You can also carve out 15 minutes to have this field trip. It's a planned, intentional time, does not take that much time away from the parent and whatever they're doing at work. But I'm telling you, this gives parents the best experience that they never even knew that they needed. The third thing that you can think about doing is having a mystery reader. This is so much fun, and I was actually able to be a mystery reader to my niece's class, her kindergarten class when I first moved to Nashville, and it was such a blast. All you have to do is reach out to parents and allow them to sign up using Sign Up Genius or Calendly or a program like that. They will bring a book of their choice. Maybe it's their child's favorite book, and if they don't have any books, you can definitely provide them with a book, send it home discreetly and let them read it and bring it to the class. But they are going to bring a book of their choice. They show up on the day time that they signed up for and they get to read the book. The best part is that the kids know that it's a mystery reader time, so whatever time of day or time of week that is, The kids know that it's time for Mystery Reader, but they never know who is going to walk through the door. So this is truly a blast, and it can also be done virtually. Those busy parents who can never leave work now can participate and be a part of your class. You can hop on Zoom, they can virtually read a book during their lunch break or whenever they have downtime in between meetings, and they can play an active role in your class community, even if they can never set foot into your actual classroom. Publishing parties are another way where you can be able to invite parents and these adults into your classroom. This is a writing celebration. After your students publish a piece of writing, you can invite parents to come and attend a publishing party. These published authors are being celebrated, their written compositions are being read, and snacks can be enjoyed. It is just a great way to celebrate a big accomplishment and it does allow parents to be a part of that. I have personally loved having publishing parties after every main genre. When the students work through the entire writing process and publish it, I like to do the party. But for the first initial one, I do like to have parents come in if that's allowed in your school. It wasn't mine. I would like to invite them to come and it would just be a really nice time together of reading our published works. Now, as we continue publishing works throughout the year, I like to personally have a small celebration and parents won't come to that one. But for our very first genre, the first time that we are publishing it, that is what I like to do to get parents inside. So if you have never done a publishing party and this will be new for you, this is an excellent time to see if you are able to arrange for parents to come or you can be able to have this party and share that experience with parents in some unique or creative way. One final idea that I want to leave you with today. I feel like there are so many parent involvement and interactive ideas that you can try, but I don't want to bombard you. I just want to give you five main ideas that I like. So this last final idea that I want to share, I like to just call it the parent prep. It's almost like a parent prep team. I have had parents in the past who could never come into the school for various reasons, or they could never give monetary supports for different things that we were doing in the class but what they could give I 1,000% cherished and that was their time. So if you have identified parents who want to actively be involved but feel like they can't for whatever reason, allow them to be a part of the parent prep team. This is a small group of parents who will prep activities, they will cut lamination, they will sort game center activities for my literacy centers, et cetera. And they will do so from the comfort of their own home. This changed my whole life. I had to express to parents how much their generosity and their time was so beneficial and helpful for me because I spent so much time prepping lessons and writing lesson plans and teaching kids and pulling small groups and doing reteachings. And I had all of these ideas for projects and new centers and different types of reading and writing scaffolds, but it takes time to prep. And so I would be able to print everything. I could even laminate everything. But that time that I would have to use to cut it, to know that a parent was willing to do it for me, it was the best thing ever. And when I let them know how much time this saved me, it truly changed the game for them as well. It gave them a sense of belonging, it gave them a sense of self worth, it gave them a sense of knowing. That they were impacting the lives of their children as well as the other kids in the class. And so this was a great way that I could involve the parents who could never step foot in or never give financially. Their time was more than enough and it was something that I appreciated so, so much. Ultimately, in my experience, I have found that when parents feel included, when they feel involved, and when they can interact with their child and their child's classmates... It really has a lasting impact on them more than the huge impact it leaves on us. What is one thing that you want to try to get parents involved with and to grow your relationship? I would love to know. I truly hope that this episode inspires you to think about parents in a bigger capacity and to realize that there is still plenty of time to make changes and to strengthen the bond and partnership that you have with them. Parents are such a huge asset and a part of the classroom family, even though they don't even physically attend. Parents can be your biggest fans, your biggest supporters, and even bigger cheerleaders. I can't wait to see how supported you feel because of the relationships you are cultivating with students and their grown-ups. Next week, we are starting a new series. February is Black History Month, and this is a great month to focus on one of my favorite genres, biography. I hope you will come back and join me as we will dive into biography tips, activities, ways to discuss African American history with students, all the many benefits of the biography genre, and of course, incorporating reading and writing throughout the exploration. I cannot wait for you to join me for a new series next week. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Come hang out with me over on Instagram at The Literacy Dive. I would love to hear from you in my DMs. If you are enjoying this podcast, be sure to hit that follow button and share this with a friend. I'll catch you in the next episode.